Dynablaster. It's a bomber man, baby. Amigos, episode 305. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Amigos. I'm John. And I'm Aaron. And today, Aaron, we're going to be talking about Bomberman. Aaron, I know that you were kind of a, a prankster, a scallywag in your younger days. Did you ever do any, uh, any, I'm not going to ask you if you ever bombed anything, because that sounds horrible. But did you ever, did you ever do the old cherry bomb in the toilet routine? That is bombing something, to be fair. It is. And uh, it no. actually is a pretty destructive act, but. No, I, I, I've never done that. Uh I, you know, I really, I'm not a big explosives guy. Mm-hmm. I knew a guy, I worked with a guy who blew off his hand, okay? And he had a hook for a hand. Mm-hmm. And he always, he would reminisce about all the times he would play with explosives, and then he would show your hook, the hook. You know, don't do that. It's a true story. I worked with him. Uh, he blew his hand off with fireworks, mm. all right? That actually happens. It's not just yeah. a deterrent. So I didn't fiddle with explosives or firecrackers all that much. Really, the only thing I ever did that was really uh, bomb-related is we is I helped some buddies of mine back before anyone gave a crap uh, build a pipe bomb uh, in my buddy's side yard with uh, instructions we got off the uh, BBSs. For I think it was from the uh, uh, it was one anarchist of the, cookbook. It probably was the anarchist cookbook. Where, I mean, you literally take a pipe, and I remember you have to shave stuff off batteries and do a bunch of weird hocus-pocus, and uh, bam, it, it did explode with a with a concussive might that shook the whole area and put huge chunks of lead into my buddy's garage about yay big. Holy cow. So, yeah, this was the real deal. Yeah. And, and uh, how we, and of course, if this was modern times, we would have been summarily murdered for doing yeah. that, but at the time... No one knew what was going on. So, what about what about you? Did you do anything destructive with with bombs? No, I've never. Uh, I don't think I've ever had anything more powerful than a Roman candle in my hand. Um, even you know, for a, a large portions of my life and your life too, fireworks were illegal. You couldn't buy yeah. them technically, and now anything goes. I mean, you can get whatever you want. What happened? Because I remember having to go. But the old man would drive us across the border. You mm-hmm. know that stick. Like you think about that for a minute. It's too violent for West Virginia, but in Kentucky, you're golden or Ohio. Well, I think so, that's why the laws changed because people realized that that was that was incredibly but, stupid. But is it really? Should we often lament how dumb people are? Do we want all these dummies with high explosives now? I don't think I do. Well, you're right. You're right. Do you, are you? Would you so Would you consider yourself? I know that your brother. He's a big fireworks guy. Every year, he puts on a a, a, a uh, an exhibition that rivals none other in the in the uh, in the in the driveway of his abode. That's um, true. Uh, are you? Do you? Does he follow you in that regard? Well, clearly not. Listen, the Brent's a madman. Every year, he puts on a, a tremendous display for all of his buddies. I remember one year he blew up his own mailbox. That was pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he often, he gets all those crazy fireworks. They're like little cars that race around in his driveway and stuff that goes up and blows up in like 10 different ways. It's just, uh, he does a good job. But every time he does it, I'm afraid he's going to shoot one of the fireworks at somebody's house and like catch it on fire. Because yeah, he's done it, that too. It is, it is, it, it, it's exciting and terrifying at the same yeah, time. I guess that's part of it. You know, speaking know. of fireworks, 
it seems like, does it seem like to you that kids are not as wild by fireworks today as they used to be? I was at the old West Virginia Power game the other day, and they were setting off fireworks. Actually, this was at Symphony Sunday. Uh, they set off fireworks at the end. And the kids are just like, they, they, they look up, and they're back at the phone. They've got their hands over their ears, and they're looking at their phone in their lap. It's, uh, you know. That's depressing. Fireworks continue to wow me. I continue to be impressed by fireworks whenever I see them. Well, there's something to be said for the simple pleasures of a bright light and a big noise. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, when I was a kid, we used to go to the old Sturgeon Regatta. They'd have fireworks every night, and they'd also break out the laser show. Mm. And I think the laser show and the fireworks have both gone in the same direction. I mean, when you saw that stuff, it was like, holy smokes, I can't see lasers or huge explosions anywhere. But now I can see like walking dinosaurs and ghosts on scrap on TV. Like nothing surprises you. Nothing. Right. And so plus, I, I'm telling you right now, the great deity of the sky could descend on Earth and people would not stop looking at their phones. There's a zero <laughs> percent chance. People could be on fire. And as they run towards the lake, they're like checking their you know Facebook or whatever. There's nothing that can be uh, done to stop them. So I'm not terribly surprised they didn't look up. You know, I've never been to a laser show before. Would you recommend those? You know, you know what makes me sick? I love ELO. You may have heard that. Mm-hmm. They came they came to Charleston. Were they at the regatta? No, God no. But they did come. They did this is when they sort of the down period for ELO, but you know, after they had their well, I don't know if it was before their last big hit, but it was like the late eighties that mm-hmm. time. And uh they came here and played the Civic Center with an orchestra. And they also had lasers. And mm-hmm. they, I would hear bands come through with lasers. And sometimes, like, I know Pink Floyd toured with lasers, a laser show, but they weren't there. It was just the lasers. What? Yeah, it was the lasers <laughs> and their music. And they'd play it, and there'd be a laser show in the, in the arena. Okay. It, it was indoors. Yeah. Yeah, it was inside the uh, Civic Center or whatever. Mm, okay. So that was, that was a thing. Uh, but uh, uh, lasers were cool, and at the regatta, they were just so new. They were like something out of Star Star Wars or Star Trek mm-hmm. or something. You know, the, people all thought just they were neat, but that's something else. I mean, we didn't have laser pointers and crap. Now, if I want to see a laser, I just go in there to get the one I play with the cat with it and just go like, and shot on the wall. <laughs> Not quite as cool. Yeah, yeah, you're right. It's the commoditization of lasers. that I feel that bad was- for people. They missed out. By being smarter and having better stuff than us, they missed out on the on the dumb guy pleasures of of crap that they don't care about now. Would you ever go back to the regatta? Oh God, yes, absolutely. It was great. I, I, I've never been to the regatta before. That's I know this what, is this is it's shocking. been gone for a long time. Yeah. Do you think? Oh, really? It wasn't just gone because of COVID. <laughs> they haven't had regatta for decades. Boat. No. Are you nuts? Listen, the Beach Boys are there like every year. I hear about it all the time on Super the 1 Beach, and 2. They haven't had a regatta for like 20 years or more. I might not have listened to Super 1 and 2 in a while. No Maybe kidding. That's the, yeah. I knew the regatta was in trouble when they banned all the boats. That's never a good sign. <laughs> like that was one of the last right. years. That's not, I do remember they tried banning beer for a while. They I didn't did go ban over. beer. And that was... Yeah. <laughs> listen, if you're not drunkenly piloting a boat across the river, no one wants to go. What lasers are shooting at you? 
You know, when when I picture the regatta, I picture that video I shared in the Discord of the guy, uh, the, the the Hulk Hogan music playing. That was <laughs> the best thing. The guy on the stand on the boat shooting off the fireworks in his underpants while he's lifting weights. Yeah, that was American as everything. I loved it. Yeah. Well, you know what else is American as anything, Aaron? That's this week's Amiga news. You mean the news filled with British news? <laughs> is that the one you're talking about? That's the one. That's the one. <laughs> Amiga news. All right, Aaron, we're going to kick things off with an update, a 21-year-old update on a classic Amiga uh, Amiga uh, platform. This is the Hippo uh, Mod Player. Uh, it was yeah. last updated in 2000, but it came out of the woodwork, and the Swedish um the swedish coder which uh i will not try and uh and uh, and pronounce oh, his name at this point okay go Kari ahead aaron take Pekka it kojanen That's there you go man i will perfectly. i will say that lobsterminator um he uh he he he, he sent me a recording because you know he's from finland he sent me a recording of himself saying the and it was car Becca koljonen kari becca koljonen yeah. there we That's go what i said yeah, so uh, he he wrote this thing in 1994, and uh, it was updated, you know, all throughout the Amiga's life and really into its death, uh, in its commercial death at least. But it, you know, after 2000, it was like uh, you know, Mr. Karabika just gave up the ghost. But for some reason, he's decided to bring it back to much fanfare. Uh, I guess this thing is 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 it's uh, corrected a lot of bugs. You can now have a mod library that will truly play random stuff. Uh, I guess Lobsterminator was the one who was on the case. He, I think he might have fixed that bug himself in the official release. So um, make sure you check it out. The uh, The Hippo Player is back. You can download it on GitHub and play mods to your heart's content. And we want to thank, of course, Amiga Love for being the one to break this story. We love you, love. Yeah. Good stuff. That's great news, by the way. I, even I use the old Hippo Player myself. So it's a must. It's a must use. Now we've got a pretty important birthday in the Amiga community this week, Aaron. Amiga Bill. Amiga Bill's birthday was this week, and the uh, colossal internet community that supports Amiga Bill and all of his endeavors uh, was uh, was collected to put together a special happy birthday uh, video. Uh, I was part of this. Were you part of this, Aaron? I was not. No, ah, you were not invited. I see no, how it is. No. Um, but, uh, but anyway, you owe it to yourself. This is uh, so well done. It's people, uh, doing wacky things with Amigas. At one point, somebody saws an Atari ST in half. Oh, uh, it looks like a little bit of a laser light show there too. Yeah. Um, so, uh, but anyway, happy birthday, Bill. Uh, make sure you watch this video. It's a salute to Bill. It's a salute to all the good work that he does in the community. Uh, check it out and uh, happy birthday, Bill! Yeah, happy birthday, Bill! Now you're gonna you're gonna handle this one. This is the first look at the Checkmate A1500 Mini Desktop Case. This is our boy Neil. Yes, yes. Uh, so uh, RMC gets a couple of these in, in the mail here, uh, and from Stephen, and he uh, uh, goes through it. He's it's it's actually interesting to see these things. They're uh, they're obviously smaller than the last Checkmate. But they're not tiny. They're still buckets of space. And it's funny to watch him. He, uh, Neil decides to put his vampire standalone in his. And I will say, but I want to get to the part where he actually slides this thing in. I've got to give him credit for the way they did this. See how it slides in? It, he actually takes the screws out of the back of the vampire, uh, the little screws for the uh, for the adapters in the back, 
and just takes those same screws and, and slides them through the holes in the back of the 1500 and they just screws them right back in. And now that, that is, that is intelligent engineering is what that, that is. is. Some I got to went credit. into this case. Now look at how snazzy uh, that looks. It's got everything ready to go. I mean, it, uh, uh, Neil mentions that when he put them, he, when he made his Mr. Fusion case out of the other, the larger checkmate, it took, I, and I watched that video. It was a two parter. It took it forever, and he was using hot glue mm -hmm. and everything he could to uh, make it to fit it in there. And of course, that's even more ludicrous because the uh, the the uh, Mister is tiny, and that is, that case is an, um, enormous. You right. know? I've had apartments <laughs> that were smaller than that first case. This case is probably a lot more. Uh, it would be a lot make a little more sense for something like that. But you can do a lot of stuff with these. I mean, they're they're built to to do uh, you know different types of PC cases and raspberry pies. Uh, I think it's Edu has put this wacky thing together called the mystics. I don't mm -hmm. know if you're familiar with the mystics, no. but uh, the mystics is a, it's a, uh, it's a, a, a card that you plug your mister into that extends all the ports out to fit this case effectively. Okay. Uh, okay. And uh, I think it's to fit an ITX case. I think it's what it, to, what it fits. That's what this is compatible with. And so what, and, and it also gives you a few extra, I think it gives you two uh, nine pin joystick ports as well. You'll, you'll recall that on Neil's uh, earlier build, he he went out and bought USB adapters to nine pin. I guess a dude sort of added those in, you know, so. Well, I tell you, this is the, 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 the checkmate 1500 case. Like you said, it was, it's, it's a massive beast. It's not really that big, but it's big. This little yeah. mini desktop case, it's cute. I love the way that all the components slot in so neatly. Um, you know, this this would be I would be much more likely to purchase something like this, maybe with a matching mechanical keyboard of some kind. Which is uh, funny you should mention that because Neil also lamented what keyboard should I put on this thing? And he had this he had this little black number, but he didn't like the way it looked, so he got a crap load of Amiga uh keycaps, different two mm -hmm. different types. And then he basically trans uh, he basically t transferred them to this keyboard he bought, which the keyboard he bought's a little bit like the one I've got here. It's one of these sort of mechanical keyboards that you uh, that you get that are fairly cheap. Like I really love this one. I think mm -hmm. I'm guessing his is very similar. So he just puts them on there. The problem, well, he runs into a couple little problems, and these are very minute. Boat. Uh, one of the problems he runs into is that this keyboard, much like mine, is supposed to light up with a bunch of cool colors, but for whatever reason, it doesn't light up, and hmm. it's something. Probably something to do with the way the Mister outputs the keyboard. Who knows? Or maybe it's that power thing. He also mentions that uh, when he turns the power off on the uh, power supply, it doesn't all. It sort of doesn't stay off. It kind of it, like it doesn't fully. Uh, it doesn't fully shut down the capacitors, and there's enough charge left in there to keep this thing sort of running mm -hmm. in a weird way. But again, these are these aren't really huge problems. And the case is really the key for this. It's not necessarily the vampire. Right. And the case is a good looking case. Uh, and uh, I agree. I think it's pretty versatile, you know. And I think uh, I, I know also uh, Ed Do has has put together an Amiga that's specifically made for a case like this as well. Uh, so, which is sort of if you don't want to go and shell out for the Mister, uh, you could always go the route of just getting the Amiga that has all the uh, the newer Amigas are much better than the one I've got. And like I said, this one's specifically made to fit this case. You know, so a lot of options. You know. I've I've sort of uh, poo pooed the idea of the new sort of mechanical keyboards that are all the rage, but 
between you and Neil, you're kind of winning me over. I feel like I might need to get, because they, they come in so many different variations. I saw one that was blue and orange that yeah. just looked so cool. Um, and plus, like like you said, you can get custom keycaps for them. Yeah. I could get, you know, I use the Mister all the time with the Atari. I could even replace some of the F uh, F keys with, you know, custom keycaps with start select option and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, so you're it's it's uh, it's an arresting case. I mean, to you, do that. I'll tell you something, uh, Boaster, and I'll, I'll move. To, I'll, I got this keyboard a couple months ago, mm-hmm. uh, and it's a Red Dragon keyboard. And I think I paid. I think I paid. I got this and, and the mouse that came with it for like under fifty dollars. Mm-hmm. And I could beat a man to death with this keyboard. It is. Mm-hmm. It's weighty. Okay. And the keys. You know, I'll. I've have used a mechanical keyboard for years. I used one of the old IBM ones. And so when I got this thing, I had certain specifications that I demanded. Mm-hmm. And uh, this fulfills my all my desires. Plus the fact it's just really cool looking. Uh, you could program in which sort of uh, lighting effects you want, or if you want them or don't want them, and it's awesome. It's just yeah. awesome having a lit keyboard of this quality. It's a keyboard that I uh, that's far better than any I've ever owned. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, the one I got for the for the for my Mister project, it's sort of the step down from this one. It's not as weighty, but for the it works perfectly in the Mister, which and it which is all I need. So yeah, I, I, I'm telling you, you could you could do worse. You now, do, do you worse. actually have two of those keyboards? You've got one in the Mister and one that you just held up. Yeah, the the Mister. Yeah, it's the exact same one that fit in the case that you this that you is, made. Well, yeah. really, your your choices are limited because this. Well, Dave's case fits. This design fits one keyboard, but that's the keyboard it fit. You can see it fits in there snug. Oh yeah, I mean, and it's not going. It's and it works great. It's a beautiful mm-hmm. uh, piece of kit, uh, and so uh, yeah, it's one I would recommend. Uh, if, like I said, Dave does a great job on those. Dave sells those, by the way. If you're interested, drop me a note. I'll I'll set you up. But uh, yeah, you can't go wrong with the mecha- modern mechanical keyboard uh, boaster. Uh, they're great. So uh, yeah, check out Neil's video. You can see the differences between the big checkmate and the little checkmate. Yeah. And uh, and uh, maybe it's time to stick your vampire into something more comfortable. If yeah. You know what I'm I, saying. I agree, boat. All right, we're moving down the video train here, and we got another one coming right up from uh, your boy, our boy, everybody's boy, Chris Edwards. This one just popped. I'm gonna I'm gonna pull it up here real quick. Uh, and so, and then this the only reason I mentioned this one, boat, and it, it, because it is Amiga related, and I like Chris does a lot of wacky stuff, and it just popped up a couple of hours ago. He's exploring the Athlon XP uh amiga now what is this you might ask and i have i've only got to flip through this video uh but this is a project that you use an, an old athlon uh processor motherboard and uh certain pre pre-made software to basically turn it into an amiga uh i used to have an athlon back in the day in fact i might have one lying around here somewhere uh boat mm-hmm. but chris sort of gives you the scoop here uh, he I, he reminds me so much. He works a lot like I do. Just uh, he's always got a colossal mess lying around. He's got a bunch of crap lying around, just like I do. Uh, he's got a cool robot like I got. So he's he's my kind of guy, and he's very he's a sketchy tech too. That's for sure. But you can see he's got an old fashioned motherboard there. You got some PCI slots on that sucker. You got a, a AGP slot. The Athlon was a processor that was made by AMD that was like a Pentium competitor back in the day. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, they have put together a package to allow this thing to run like in a native Amiga mode effectively. Now, why are you able to do that with an Athlon 
processor and not with you know other kinds i can't i can't tell you okay i, I I've, I've heard of this project but i don't know any of the actual intricate details and maybe he goes into them uh, on this i'm not sure but i think it's interesting yeah a and uh, if you've got an old pc you know they've got that gimmick you've heard about this gimmick for the old max you could make those into amigas mm -hmm. you know this is sort of mm -hmm. the same thing uh, so if you're into that, if you're into that stuff, uh, you got you might have a, a good time here with this. It's it's kind of neat. Awesome, awesome. All right, and our uh, our final video this week comes to us from uh, it's not not strictly an Amiga video, and by not strictly, I mean not at all. Uh, this is a, a video from the Macintosh librarian Kate Fox, friend of the show. Uh, she is back at it again. Tell us about this, Aaron. So you know we. I give Kate credit because she was able to uh, make make me care about the Mac in, in some <laughs> capacity. Let me try, try to dig this up real quick and have it linked. So what she did was, uh, let me type this. In. It's it's there on the news site, man. I'm looking I, at I, it for whatever reason. I'm not. It's not coming up on mine. Here it is. So it's a do-it-yourself Mackie. Now, if you watch her show, uh, Mackie is sort of like the mascot. He, uh, let's cut to the chase. He's a talking childlike mac okay yes. if you yes. want the truth i've got a mackie right here that kate sent me here he I've is i've got one right behind me little too. mackie he's cute as the day is long and so who wouldn't want a little mackie because i got one it's great well heck why not why wait and why not go the extra mile and actually make mackie functional and by god that's what she does in this video she takes and has a 3d printed mackie and then she actually gets a raspberry pi sticks it old little Mackie and makes a functional Mackie. And this is, she goes through all the steps, how she did it, the software, the whole nine yards. And at the end of the day, uh, she come, it comes to puts this thing together. I mean, the screen, everything, boat. look at that. I love it, man. There it it looks so good. Look at that. Now, uh, she freely admits that you're not going to be using little Mackie for a lot of <laughs> say desktop publishing. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, the capabilities there, but, uh, uh, you know, what are you going to do? The screen size is limited, to say the that's, least. That's right. That's right. But still, it's a neat project. I got to give Kate credit uh, uh, because she's got a lot of guts. She, she I mean, uh, she's done a couple of projects I thought were pretty gutsy. Uh, especially, and anytime you're fooling around with Max, that's the big money boat. Mm -hmm. If I go out here and wreck an old PC or something, no one cares. But these Macs cost, the, that's the big money. Yeah. Uh, so, and once you wreck them, they, they ain't coming back. You know that. So, yeah. But this was a neat project, so I wanted to give her a little dap here. Check check out her channel, Macintosh Librarian. If you have any interest in the Mac, or even if you just uh, uh, want to learn something or be entertained, it's good stuff. Like, I have no, practically no interest in the Mac, and I love the channel. Great stuff. All right, Aaron, and we wrap things up with our new retro hardware pick of the week from Retro Rewind. This is a new one, Aaron. This just dropped on the shop. Uh, now, Aaron, as a former professional technician... You I'm have some experience. Professional technician boat. Oh yeah, that's true. I forgot you. <laughs> you're you're a technician <laughs> even what, today. What do you uh, want to me here, boat? <laughs> I think I, I think about your work when you work for IBM is a sort of a different thing, but you're really doing a lot of the same things. So that's right. I apologize. Um, you you've pulled some ICs before in your life, <laughs> haven't you? Oh yeah, I sure have. Yeah. Uh, don't you wish you had a way to straighten out the chips? After you pull, after you yank one of those suckers out and all the legs are bent all akimbo. Yeah, I hate that. Well, wonder no more with what to do. You can go over to Retro Rewind and get a dip chip straightener, Aaron. This thing is 
a uh, it it does what it says. You stick your IC in there. And it uh, it straightens it straightens the legs so you can use it again. You know, I have done. I can't tell you the number of times I've bent these things up, especially back in the day where you were swapping in and out cash and stuff and those old PC boards. I'd bend these things all to heck. And if you're looking at what this is, it's so simple, and I'm kicking myself. <laughs> Like, I'm looking at this. I'm like, that would work great. Why <laughs> do that? You know, it's very clever. Uh, if it's a very clever implementation, the price is right as always. It's got the logo on there. Uh, it looks good. Listen, everyone should have. This is a lot like the. Uh, this is a lot like the uh, door park piece of cardboard for your or the drive park. Like everyone should have one just in case. Yeah, uh, and I, these are uh, you know normally when I, I was telling boat before the show I normally bent my pins back with just a pair of pliers. Well, that don't work too good, and, yeah. and then you can always get to that point where you break a break a pin off and then you're screwed. So you could this would be a much easier way to go. And yeah, uh, I think that's an excellent choice uh, you've made this week, boat. Everyone should hop over to Retro Rewind and give this a shot. Yeah, and remember, you can save 10% off this or any order over at Retro Rewind by using the promo code AMIGOS10 at checkout. And we thank RetroRewind.ca for sponsoring this week's episode. Yes, yes. Thank you very much. All right, Aaron. It's time to talk Dyna Blaster. Outstanding. So, Dyna Blaster. I was going to ask you, did you act, did you mention the term Dyna Blaster in your open to this show? Yeah, I Did said Dyna Blaster. I just said Bomber Man. Like, you were being very clever there yeah. at the end. Because the you're, the term is interchangeable mm-hmm. on this particular game. Now, uh, we covered a long time ago, I, I mean, it's I was like in the 200s, we covered a public domain version of Bomber Man, and I believe it was called Master Blaster Boat. I think you you're right. That? I think you're right. Uh, in fact, I, watched, I went back and watched some of the footage of that just so I could compare and contrast. So this time around, we're not doing any PD stuff. This is the real deal here, Boat. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dyna Blaster uh, released in 1992 on one disc. And this was published by Hudson Soft. Hudson Soft, uh, very famous for their NES offerings and for their many, their uh, really total dedication to the TurboGrafx slash PC Engine. They were involved in its uh, design, its production, and support uh, of many games uh, for that. Uh, so Hudson had a ton of great games. Unfortunately, their output on the Amiga was confined. To, they were behind two games on the Amiga. They published them, and it was this one and another one of our favorites, Yo Joe, which mm. is interesting uh, that that was one of them. Uh, this game has the ability boat to uh, allow you to have up to five simultaneous players. Wow. We'll get into, we'll get into that a little bit more in, in a moment. Uh, but... Uh, this game was hev- was well traveled. Uh, again, this was called Dyna Blaster. I guess we should get into the name before we get real deep into it. So, why is this called Dyna Blaster and not, by its normal terming, Bomber Man? Well, from what I read, there was really only one explanation, and I read this everywhere I, that I tried to find information. I'm sure you could probably guess what it is, Boat. Uh, in Europe, where this was released as Dyna Blaster, uh, it was due to European mainstream media associating the original name with terrorist bombings. That's it. So this was strictly a, a terrorist thing. I don't think they were as. Uh, I don't think the term "bomber man" instantly makes you think a terrorist, but you can see where people can make that determination. But right, right. Well, this is definitely this is this is definitely more understandable than the teenage mutant hero turtles 
because ninja is not so much of a threat in in modern day Europe, but maybe a terrorist. Yes. Yes, absolutely. Now, Bomberman uh, or Dino Blaster, and uh, we'll use those two terms inter- interchangeably in this. This got a multitude of releases, uh, and we'll get into the number of different games that are called have a, have Bomberman in the title. But this got released uh, on the uh, Turbo Graphics, the Atari ST, the P- of course the PC Engine. It was the same thing. The NES uh, got a release. DOS, uh, the sixty-eight thousand. I think the C sixty. You know, I could not determine if the C sixty-four. I the manual states that there's a C sixty-four version of this. Okay, I found C sixty-four versions of this. But no, I couldn't find any called Dino Blaster, and I also couldn't be sure that they weren't homebrews. There's a bunch of homebrews of this, so I'm assuming there is a an official C64 version. Did you actually see a well, C64 version? Let, let me let me give you a little. Let me drop some knowledge on yeah, you. Yeah, please, dude. So, and, and this comes from none other than uh, than uh, Neil himself, because uh, he he we did a story about uh, a uh, a game that was similar to Bomberman that has just been uh, recovered called Mrs. Dynamite, uh, and we we were questioning oh, whether yes. Bomberman had some influence on it. And I guess Bomberman first appeared way back in 1980 as part of a Hudson Soft Basic programming package. So uh, Hudson Soft was selling, you know, programming tools and Bomberman was a sample game that they included. So the roots of Bomberman stretch back way before the NES version, which I always thought was the first version of the game. Yeah, it's funny because that's um, according to Wiki and a couple other sources I looked at. You're, what you're saying is exactly what they have written down. I listened to your show, by the way, this week, and I, th- I didn't note that. I thought it was interesting. Uh, according to uh, everyone else on Earth, uh, this game debuted in Japan December twentieth of eighty five, and uh, was a was a on it in the NES, uh, the original the Famicom, uh, and of course has went on to I mean Bomberman's went on the star in like over seventy games mm-hmm, according yeah. to this that's ludicrous uh, that that he's been in that this concept has been used and this. This is an environmentally safe game. It's been recycled over and over and over and over again. Uh, so one would wonder. Now, I see that Ricky says in the chat there is no official C64 version. That's sort of what I thought, but it is mentioned in the manual. That's what threw me. I don't know if you looked at And by the way, the manual for this is slight, to say the least. Uh, well, you don't really need that much, but they right. did mention what do you What do you want version. here? Yeah, yeah. So... Uh, what is Bomberman? Bo, this is far more your game than mine. Can you can you explain to the folks what this exactly is? What is this? Sure. Game? So if you've never played Bomberman before and you're listening to the audio version of the podcast, uh, what you have is you have an overhead perspective of a maze. And the maze has some obstacles that are destructible, uh, brick walls or other things. And they have some, uh, some uh, obstacles in the maze are not. Uh, your job in Bomberman is to place bombs and make them explode to either explode the explodable walls or the enemies that are kind of uh, lurking about. Um, the object of the game is to find the uh, to destroy all the enemies and to bomb the exit, which is hidden, and then escape and go on to the next level. That's basically Bomberman in a nutshell. Mm-hmm. Uh, where Bomberman shines is in its multiplayer mode, because when you're just destroying the monsters that are roaming about, I mean, that's that's OK. But what is really fun is getting in there and uh, and playing with your friends because you do not have control by default of when the bombs explode. Uh, 
So there are bombs being set everywhere and things are all going off at different times and it adds an unpredictability to the game that really makes it fun. I've always kind of thought about the game, the board game, Robo Rally, oh, where yeah. you set up your plan, you turn it over the cards, you're moving your robot, and all of a sudden things go incredibly wrong because of something you didn't realize. This is, is sort of the game. video game version of that. I I love Robo Rally, and I, I, I'm listen. I, I don't like this game. I never have. I'm just gonna come out and say it. I've said it before. I, and now part of this, I've always heard that the appeal of this game is multiplayer, and I, I've played a couple of rounds with people. But for the most part, my gaming on this has been as a solo, all right? And you sort of nailed it. As a solo game where you just go around and bomb these blocks and look for the exit, this is not that great. I mean, honestly, it, it doesn't it doesn't provide me with that much fun. Yeah. Um, and but and this is a this is one of those games you always hear about uh, when people talk about playing at parties, mm-hmm. right? Big parties. And, and the, one of the things that's great about it is it can accommodate Many, many players. Now, we mentioned uh, the Amiga version had the ability to accommodate uh, up to five players. How? There was a parallel port uh, adapter that you could buy, and you could still buy these, by the way, that uh, uh, will hook in and give you two extra joystick ports, uh, pure and simple. And you could plug two joysticks in there, two joysticks in the normal port, got got a keyboard, you got five players. It's that simple. Five players. This have you? What's the most players you've played at this? Uh, uh, I believe that there. I had a Sega Saturn, and I had two. I believe I. I believe that the Sega Saturn version, and I'm sure somebody in the chat's going to correct me if I'm wrong. I believe that you could do eight player yeah. Bomberman with the Saturn the version, appeal. and I had the setup. The problem was I did not have eight friends. Oh no! But babe. I would set it up. And it, it was weird because when you played in that mode, the game did not look like this. It shifted perspective entirely, and yeah. all of the characters were super small on the screen. Yeah. yeah. Um, but it was doable, and it was one of the cool things about the Saturn. Yeah, that's one thing. I always the Saturn is sort of the version you always hear about, mm-hmm. and uh, um, I believe this was made less of an issue when the 360 came around because I believe there's a version of this on the 360 that will let you play and going forward that will let you play remotely, you right. know, uh, on the net or whatnot. Yeah. And Which, I believe that even there were even versions before then that had some sort of limited remote play. Yeah. But, uh, but the 360 because of Xbox live was the first one that really took off. I remember playing this transcontinentally, uh, with, with your, with your brother and with Jamie, when I was living in Korea and uh, and they were, of course, were in the United States playing Bomberman on the 360. So that was a really cool experience. Now, and I do know, I'm pretty sure I've heard the guys over at Pixel Gaten said that they've played the eight the eight player version of Saturn. When we if Boat Fest goes down, I'll bring the Saturn out. Yeah, we'll have to get a couple multi taps, and we'll go we'll go to work. All we need to do is find eight Saturn controllers. That shouldn't be too hard, right? <laughs> um, so now you mentioned that this game plays a lot differently in two player mode, aside from the obvious difference in the way the screen looks. Uh, one of the differences that you, is you get a bunch of additional like power ups, pickups. Can mm-hmm. you kind of go over, go over some of those? Yeah. So th- this is one of the things that has probably changed the most in Bomberman because the core gameplay of Bomberman is, has has remained unchanged throughout the ages. But the uh, 
the the actual uh the power-ups have become a lot more extensive in this game you've got the flame looks like a little smiley uh smiley flame he wants to be your friend it makes the explosions bigger uh you've got you can place multiple bombs if you collect the bomb power up there's the roller skates so uh, everything moves the game speed is faster now this is what the manual says i know that when you collect the roller skates in later versions of bomberman or maybe it, you have to be playing um you have to be playing multiplayer for this to really make a difference but like when you're going faster and everybody else is going slower that's obviously you know an advantage uh you've yeah. got the remote control bomb uh you've got the painted bomb which is weird you can pass through it so it's like you paint a bomb on the floor and then it blows up um hey you've got an extra guy there's a painted wall that you can pass through that other people can't and then finally you have the jacket and the jacket uh, allows you it's like the guy from the hurt locker you become him basically okay I've never seen that. So. I haven't either. You think, I, you think I'd watch something me. like that? But it's a it's a bomb disposal guy. Oh, I see. That's what I, the movie okay, is that about. That makes more sense. Yeah. Now, when you play this, you know, I the few times I've played this multiplayer, but I gotta ask, I, is there what's the strategy? And I, I've never fully grasped what you're supposed to. How, I mean, it just seems so random to me. What's going well, on? Well, is, what is you there do strategy? the 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 strategy is is that early on, you're not trying to kill the other guys. Early on, you're trying to determine the best way to bomb out the walls so you can collect the most amount of power-ups. And then, and so you're sort of like, you're you're scouting out your little area of the map and trying to bomb things the most efficiently so you can uncover the most power-ups. And then... It's just all about, you know, it's it's like every it's 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 like sort of like playing combat or any other overhead game where you're trying to trap the enemy. You know, you're trying to see where he's going, lay a bomb in his way, maybe distract him with something and then, you know, hope that he that it blows up. Now, in, in the thing that makes this game fun is the hilarity that ensues, just like in Worms. Where you know you you fire a shot, you end up blowing yourself up, or something like that happens, or you throw a bomb and it gets thrown back at you. All these things. So that's it's the interactivity with the other players that makes it fun. This is not a tremendously deep strategy game. You know, this is a fast action game. You can play a bunch of rounds in it, and not a lot of time. And the rounds go by so quickly uh, that you know if you go out early. Well, in some of the later games, you actually take part. You become a, a bomber man that goes around the the outside of the arena, and he can toss bombs in while the other players are still playing. But eventually, when the time starts to grow short, the arena size gets smaller and smaller, and and then the the, the you know the, the intensity ramps up. So you know this is this is definitely I'm 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 sort of surprised that you don't like this one. I think if you played some more rounds of the multiplayer version, I think you might warm up to it because it does seem like your kind of game. I don't know. I will say the idea of a guy standing on the walls throwing bombs that they they must have ripped that off uh, from bar games. The top the uh, wet t shirt contest guy. It you know, I've always thought that too. I thought <laughs> I, I know those guys over at Hudson Soft. They were playing bar games pretty much nonstop. It's a shame, though, of course, that came out well after this, but still, <laughs> sure. they why weren't thinking there, about it. Why isn't there a wet t shirt element in this? <laughs> so, I you know as as I do, I was I was going back and trying to figure out what. Because the manual, we both admit, it's very sparse, okay? Did you, do you know, do you have any idea what the, that there's a plot in this game? Oh, I'm sure there is. I'm sure there's a female bomber woman that needs to be rescued. Is that, am I on the right track here? So, according to the old, the Wixter, this is the Bomberman wiki here. Okay. Um, The original Japanese home computer game had no storyline. Right. Okay. But the NES and, and Game Boy versions, uh, 
it says here, uh, Punk Boy, uh, okay, Bomberman for the Famicom and Atomic Punk for the Game Boy begin with Bomberman, who worked day in, day out making bombs in an underground compound, but he dreamed of Liberty Boat. And who doesn't? <laughs> we all do. He plotted his escape. <laughs> so he plotted his escape, and so he used bombs to escape. Good move, Bomberman. It makes sense. So he used bombs to destroy his enemies, and when he reaches the surface, he transformed into an organic human being and became known as the Runner. Ooh. All right? So this Bomberman was basically a bomb-making robot or slave of some sort, and he somehow and he bombed his way out the door, basically. Now, how that plot would affect the rest of the game is unknown to me, but that it did strike me as odd. I always like it when they put some kind of wacky plot to a game that was obviously designed well after the plot came up. And that was one Well, of the here's the thing. On the NES, uh, every game had to have a story. I think that was part of Nintendo's sort of like, if you want to publish a game, you got to have a story. And also, the NES version didn't have multiplayer. So you had to have something. They had to put a story in. Yeah. Did they really, though? And I'm sure, and you're right, as this as Bomberman 45 got released, I bet they really had pulled that story into some weird territory by now. So let's talk about the fact that there are 70 of these or more, Boat. I well, actually, uh, I, I think that the 70 games are not all Bomberman games. I'm sure there's a, there's a Bomberman kart racer. There's a Bomberman <laughs> endless runner. A Bomberman kart racer sounds pretty good to me. Yeah. I'm gonna get behind that. So I'm just looking here at the... They've got a timeline here, Boat, okay? And so from 1985 until 2020. By the way, if you're curious, Super Bomberman R online is available if you're interested. I like how they stuck an R in there. Just the, yeah. the letter well, R. Well, it's like DX, you know. You, that's the that's the thing. It is? Yeah. I, I, I mean, it is the thing. But it's it like, new, you know, New Rally X has the new Pac-Man yeah. Championship DX... You just put random things at the end of your game. That's now what you, you do. You've played more than a couple of these Bombermans, mm -hmm. all right? I'm sure, right? Yeah. So can you explain to me what what are what different shakes do they come down with in these Bombermans? Because to me, it seems like aside from having different power ups, there doesn't seem like there's a lot of room for expansion in a game like this. Well, okay. Uh, did they need to make more than one Worms game after the first one? But worms, there's a lot more. There's a lot more you could do with the concept of worms. I'm there's a lot more you can do with. Uh, so I can with, think of more to do. I'm not saying there's nothing you can do, but I can't think of what you could do. So what'd they do? The, well, it, it all comes to just like with worms. It all comes down to the power ups. You know, I you see. add a bunch of different power ups, and you've got a new game. Now, is it a radically different game? No, but you know, normally what happens is they the these games launch with a console because there's lots of people that like Bomberman and they want to play it on their new console with their friends. So I see, I see. Well, that does make sense then. Now, did this has this uh, genre this game ever went into the genre of 3D like Worms did? Is there a three? Can I play a three D version of Bomberman? I. That's a great question. I or do not VR. know. I, <laughs> surely, <laughs> surely, in some point, maybe in the PS one era, they tried a three D Bomberman, but I've never seen one. Yeah. So we mentioned that amongst the systems that this got uh, that got a port of this game, one of these was in fact the TurboGrafx sixteen, aka the PC Engine. When I say uh, these both got ports of the game, I mean almost identical. Uh, we've got a side-by-side -side here. And you can see that the uh, 
the Bomberman off the uh, Turbo Graphics is almost identical to mm-hmm. the Amiga version. I'm pretty sure the Turbo Graphics is probably the one they based the Amiga version on. Uh, this made me and Boat have to wonder, uh, or before the show started, why didn't we see more games from the Turbo Graphics moved over to the Amiga? The Amiga pulls this thing off effortlessly. Yeah, and I, the ones that we did, they 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 made weird. I mean, obviously they could just do. It seems like it would be easy now. Of course, knowing nothing, but they <laughs> managed to do a pretty you know sprite by sprite re- reconstruction of this game for the Amiga. Why didn't they do that with BC Kid? With BC Kid, they redesigned the whole thing, and in a well, lot of ways, I they made like it worse. Amiga's BC Kid. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna. I, I liked. I thought they did a good job. Well, I'm not saying they did a bad job, but I'm saying why didn't they just bring it over if they could do it as easily oh, as they did yeah. with Bomberman? That's a good. You mean just like a straight port? Right. I don't right. know. Uh, it, it makes me wonder why we didn't get some of the awesome shooters that they had on, yeah. on the Turbo. Yeah. Maybe they didn't see a, a market for it. It's the only thing I can guess. Uh, you know, or maybe they just didn't want to. Oh, well, I think that, that yeah, it, it's possible that uh, maybe the uh, they were locked in. Maybe the you know a lot of those shooters for the PC Engine were only available on the PC Engine, and of course they all came from Japanese developers. And maybe they you know they didn't see the the huge untapped market potential of the Amiga. Can we both agree, uh, both? Because I know you like the Turbo Graphics, the PC. Oh, yeah. you do. We could agree that there's there would be no reason why the Amiga could not run those games no yeah they yeah. could run anything on the turbo graphics i'm yeah. sure the it's a, I, I would have loved to have seen some of the bigger games from the from the turbo graphics get a port over the amiga but that's the way it goes and the sad thing is you a lot of those turbo graphics games didn't get a whole lot of play uh in europe or in the uh, or, or in america that probably would have done fairly well on the amiga mm-hmm. you know but uh, missed opportunity on that one uh boaster so uh long story short a, a very, very faithful version of Bomberman is Dino Blaster. Uh, this game was well received uh, when it was released, uh, Boatster. Uh, it did quite well on the old Lemon, uh, receiving a score of 8.57, which that's exceptionally high uh, for the Lemon folks. Uh, the uh, magazines gave this an overall cumulative rate of 85%, uh, ranging from a uh, 93 in Amiga Action uh, down to an 83 in Amiga Power. Uh, I think this game is one of those games that people like it, or they, or they're they either fond of it or they're not. I don't hate the game. I think it's a well done game. The art's nice. The sounds nice. There's nothing wrong with it. it just doesn't doesn't do uh, do it for me. Did we get the uh, Discord action on this? Uh, I yeah, we did. Uh, we got a couple reviews. People loved this game. I can tell you that. Uh, we're gonna start things off with. Lob Terminator. He calls Dino Blaster the ultimate Amiga party game. This game alone justifies purchasing a four-player joystick adapter for your Amiga. It's a game that is fired up pretty much every time I have retro-inclined friends over. It may like depth for longer sessions, but it's always good for a few intense bouts of screaming and laughing. Nine out of ten. And Pixels of Dawn writes, If there's one game you can be sure will be played in any given session of Amiga Live, it's this one. As with its ports on other systems, this port of the PC Engine version of Bomberman is one of the best party games on the platform. Graphics look as cute as you'd expect, and the music is compelling and fun. The single player is also good fun, although it can get repetitive if the standard gameplay loop doesn't thrill you, especially on the more than one screen levels. Plus, it doesn't have much in the way of bosses in the single player. Still an excellent game that I enjoy every time I play it. And I'm glad Pix brought that up 
the game really stumbles, in my opinion. I played the first 10 or so levels uh, in, in, in single player in preparation for the show. And uh, when you start getting into the scrolling levels, it's really just more of the same. And uh, it is a drag, you know, that single player game with as little variation as, as there is, yeah. uh, there is a, there is, I, you know, I'm assuming there are more than one. I, I got to the first quote unquote boss level, which was sort of horrible. Uh, so yeah, don't play this game and expect great things in single player mode. It's beauty shines in the multiplayer. That might explain my attitude towards it. Cause I almost always plays by myself and it's, 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 it's okay. I mean, there's fun to be had, but it's just, it does get old, and yeah. then you know. So there you go. And also, the the way the monsters stuff move, it's it gets to the point where it's a, I don't want to say it's randomy feeling, but I mean maybe it's just I'm not very good. But sometimes I feel like, man, I kind of got screwed there. You know. Right. So there's that. Right. Now we did get some corrections for people in the chat. Uh, Saturn Bomberman is actually ten players. Ten oh, players. Yeah. Aaron. Two two four taps and the two uh, built ins. I guess. Yeah. Or, yeah. Something like that. Um, and, uh, Bomberman 64 was the 3d version of Bomberman. Now it's not all out like horrible worms, 3d type 3d. Yeah. They're just 3d rendered models, but that did exist. So thank you to Neil for bringing that up. So, uh, it's always good to have, uh, the chat being able to, uh, to, to show us the way with this stuff. Well, I, I will say neither one of us are going to get anywhere near 10 players on Saturn. So that was the easy one to miss <laughs> that time yeah. around. That's a tough one. I did look now get this boat. I thought that I was interested to look this. I looked this up on eBay because we both know that Bomberman's really popular. And so I thought that perhaps this might get a, a, a lot of action. Okay. Now, I was confirmed around the gate, sort of, when I, the first one of these I saw, there's a, there's a fellow in Germany selling one of these on eBay right now, but it's sealed. Okay. Sealed Amiga version. Okay. He, he's asking the best offer out of 900 bucks, US dollars. That seems that seems high. Well, that's what I thought. There's a fellow selling an open one in the UK for $300, which also seemed high, but I did see one of these that sold for 77 bucks, which is pretty high. Well, that, that's a third of the price of right, what the guy Right, but I'm just saying, listen, these guys for. are fishing. But still $77, that's a pretty ample price tag. It is. It's not so, cheap, yeah. You're going to probably pay. I mean, and I will say the box art on this is great. I will, mm-hmm. if, if you're looking, if you're watching the video, I think the box art is real cute. Yeah. Um, by the way, you can still get these serial adapters. I said parallel earlier. I meant serial. Uh, four player serial adapter for the Amiga. You can get one for 23 bucks. And okay. it supports a whole list of games, not just this one. So you, it's, it looks like it supported probably 15 games or more. Uh, so. That's out there. It might be kind of we might, we should uh, try to get one of those one. Of the, well, then again, we're mostly using the Mister and stuff now, but still, it might be kind of fun to have four players on uh, on something like that. Yeah, yeah. All right. Well, let's go ahead and leave Dino Blaster, Aaron, and scoot on over to the YouTube page. What's been going on over there this week? Well, a pretty decent week we had here, boat. Uh, you know, we're gonna start off as we often do with myself at the Brent uh, this week on ARG presents. Now, listen, boat. You know, I love. I love getting out there and doing and getting into some weird stuff. And the wheel piece we ran this week was illegal games. I didn't think that'd be that hard of a, of a week of games, but I mean, it was really tough to find illegal games, you know, games that you were removed from the market or whatnot. Brent jumped all over this one with the Casey Munchkin for the Odyssey two, which is an excellent choice. One of the few choices that really mean anything uh, I don't, and I know you've played Casey Munchkin. Weren't you against it. having Casey Munchkin on the show vehemently? 
I was because see, I didn't understand. I was thinking uh, uh, in another direction uh, than than what Brent was. I wasn't thinking of things that were removed from the shelves. I was thinking of things that could not be made because they were illegal. So it was, I don't know. I've relented. Also, I was voted down and yelled at. But uh, Casey <laughs> Munch was a good choice. K- By the way, this is a great game. It's a must play on LC2. I really had to dig deep this week, Boat, but I ended up coming up with a game that I couldn't believe existed. It was called My Little Pony Fighting is Magic. Mm. Uh, it's a My Little Pony-based fighting game. And you know I like me some fighting games, uh, yeah. Boat. Yeah, And uh, this game was uh, almost completed when Hasbro uh, had hey, said, hey, wait a minute, no one asked us if you could do this, and uh, shut them down. But the reason I could get away with this was they actually turned this game into a commercial release. And the commercial release is called Them Fighting Herds, which is the all-time greatest name for fighting what? games. What? Say that again? Them's Fighting Herds. Okay. It's about it's animal fighting. <laughs> right, right. They basically reskinned all the ponies with different types of animals, goats and some okay. skunks, whatever. Okay. Wow. And you can buy this right now on Steam. And so I'm mm. waiting for the next time we get a fighting game week because I I'm gonna that's gonna be my choice for sure. But anyway, if you want to learn about the wacky story of how my little pony fighting his magic came into being, and the also wacky story of how Casey Munchkin came into not being uh, check us out. I've really enjoyed this episode. Had a lot of fun on that one. So next on the docket here, Boat, I actually enjoyed this too. This is when me and you uh, fired up the Coco show for a little sweet action on the Coco game Polaris. Yeah. What'd you think of this one, Boat? You know, I was not expecting to like this one. Yeah. Because first of all, Missile Command should not take place against a neon green sky. Oh yeah, should, that's because that's what the sky looks like when the nukes are falling, man. <laughs> right. Uh, but... I've got to say, this is probably the most faithful home port of this game that I've ever played. Uh, aside from you shooting missiles out of subs instead of your silos, uh, being able to shoot from the multiple locations, yeah. having them displayed on the screen, you know, in a graphical way that your 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 missile reserves. Yeah, uh, the the difficulty level Plus ramped these. up at a pace that I could appreciate. Uh, what is that? One of the few games that makes the Black Beauties. Oh awesome. yeah. Right, right. <laughs> the old joysticks. It worked yeah. great. The analog on this. Yeah. I I knew this was a winner. I knew it was because I'd played this in before. It makes all the difference being able to fire independently from your bases. That's a huge difference. Plus having supreme control over the pointer. That equals this is this is a this is one of the top Coco games, in my opinion. If you like uh Missile Command, by the way, but it's funny, we had the pleasure of the weekend of being able to play and look at an actual missile command we in, did. The, in the arcade. And, and which was really neat to see because it's been a while hadn't a boat, so mm-hmm. that was that was a lot of fun. But uh, yeah, this is a, we had a lot of fun on this one. Uh, video gets a little out of sync at the beginning, but it, if I did the best I could with it, you should be good to go once you start watching. So check it out. That's Polaris on uh, the Coco Show this week. Yeah, and if you do watch Polaris and you hear Aaron announce that we're going to be playing uh, Pit Stop Two, uh, <laughs> I uh, we're not. We're gonna we're gonna do that in two months. The next game we're gonna do is Tandy Color Baseball. Tandy, how how appropriate now. Our weekly offering from our good buddy, the Hermster, Hermski. This time out, Boat, it's another walkthrough of a graphical text adventure game. This time out, it's 10 little Indians. By the way, look at that cool set. He's got a cool symbol now. I like that. Mm-hmm. Boat, 10 little Indians. Look at this. This thing is even animated. Did you see that? Yeah, yeah. That- I- I'm constantly... 
amazed at the quality, but it, I think it's just because these games were so prevalent on the spectrum yeah. that, that the coders really tried to go above and beyond to make their games stand out among all the other graphical text adventures. And they, they really do a good job. Yeah. Uh, and I don't know how Hertz can remember all stuff. <laughs> Quite amazing. If you want to watch, uh, first of all, Hermsky has a great channel you should check out. And then he, and he also does great stuff for us. If you want to check out any of his stuff, I, I strongly urge you to, especially if you're a big fan of these sorts of games in the old ZX Spectrum. He's gone through a, quite a few of these now, uh, Boat, and I'm sure he's got a, a, an eternity of them left to do because they made a million of these things. So that's Tim Linden's Adventure Walkthrough with Hermsky this week. Good stuff. Yeah, uh, yeah. Last on the docket here, Boat, uh, is our good buddy... Uh, Frodo, Frodo, soon to be different colored hair. Frodo, <laughs> take a look right now. That's his hair now, but in, in not too not too distant future, there's going to be a whole different hairstyle for Frodo. Uh, but uh, this time out, boat. This is right up your alley. Uh, the first years of the of the Nintendo Game Boy. Now, actually, how old were you in 1989, boat? I was eight. I was oh, so prime Game Boy age. Did you have a Game Boy at that in that time? I got a Game Boy in 1991. So pretty close. Pretty close. Pretty close. Now, I, I know you're a fan. What are the early game times that stand out to you? Do you recall any that were your favorites amongst your favorites? Yeah. Well, it's uh, Super Mario World or Super Mario Land 2. Not uh -huh. not the first one, but the second one that really looked like a Mario game. Yeah, that, that was, one was great. But yeah. the game that changed my life was when I first got uh, Final Fantasy Legend 2. I got that pretty early on. And having a, a, a full japanese role-playing game in the palm of my hand where i could sit there in bed and and level up and you know take it on the road with me it was i still i you know i was so blown away by that it still stuck with me uh and that was also i met one of my best friends because uh, i was sitting in mr cleek's class did you have mr cleek for health i uh, never heard of him but oh, okay well he was he was one of the old guard but maybe not so old as you but anyway we we're sitting in there and i saw him reading this nintendo power and i was like man you into games? And he was like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's what you said? It's like a drug dealer. So you into games? <laughs> and uh, and so, but anyway, we started talking about Final Fantasy Legend 2, and he became one of my best friends all through high school. So, yeah, lots of memories. But the uh, the Game Boy had some great stuff in those first couple of years, but it also had some real not great stuff. Uh, the know, Game Boy, of course, all of the Game Boy systems sort of famous for questionable uh, quality. I agree. I, I want to say, Boat, the game, the original Game Boy, as old as it is, as ugly as it is, it's kind of bulky. What an amazing! I don't think people appreciate it now like they should because this, having been around before there was anything, this wasn't just something. It was awesome. Yeah, sure, it was green. It had no backlit screen, but my God, I'm telling you, in the car rides compared to not having a little thing like this. It was so boring. Mm -hmm. the car. And then something like this comes along. It's like you couldn't have dreamed it. I mean, yeah. I, sincerely. Because the handheld things that came before this, you know, the, of course there was the Lynx, but nobody had a Lynx. The, discounting that, you had the little Tiger LCD games. That's, yeah. Or you had the old, you know, Mattel uh, baseball that was just the, you know, the, the flashing lights. I had stuff to have like have like water in it, and you mm -hmm. hit the little button to shoot bubbles and make rings go over stuff, right? Or stuff yep. with little marbles in it, you know. And don't get me wrong; those were fun. My mom would get me some, and it'd be, you know. But I mean, they got they the if you consider it, there's a thing, a little thing with marbles in it, and then you put it up against this. 
you know, it's it's ludicrous. They, yeah. they yeah. leave because you're having this was the first time you could have an experience like a real video game experience that you'd have at home on the go. Yeah. And you didn't hear people complaining about the green screen. They were they couldn't believe it. They were like, this is awesome. So. Yeah. And the, and the sound was yeah. awesome. Oh, the, the, the music is, in the original Game oh, Boy is yeah. killer. It's yeah, yeah. Killer, and, so. and, and the thing is, you were talking about Mario Land stuff. Like, I had played the Mario games on the NES, right? Which, mm. by the way, hadn't been out too long before this right. came out. Here's this thing, and you're playing these games. Do they look identical? No. But then they look near per. You're like, I'm playing this on in the car. Right. You know, it's unbelievable. You know, so there you go. Uh, yeah. uh, uh, what a great system this was. Uh, and probably all the Game Boys with a few uh, hiccups along the way, we're all top shelf. Nintendo knows how to do portable. That's no doubt about that. But what did you and the Neilster talk about this week? Oh, we got into all kinds of stuff. So uh, this week we talked about, uh, there is actually an, a, a kit out there where you can make your own ZX81. So uh, if you've been itching to get the soldering iron out and uh, and build yourself one of the, you can actually build a ZX80 or a ZX81, uh, you know, two of the computers that really set the stage for the Spectrum. You know, the Spectrum ended up uh, eclipsing them, but you couldn't have had the Spectrum without the ZX80 and the ZX81. So we, we talk about that. Uh, there is, now Aaron, this is going to be a, something that's, that's right up your alley. There's a new uh, game called Wing Leader that uses all of the assets from the original uh, Wing Commander game and uh, and takes everything to the next level in terms of the speed, the amount of ships on screen. And they're, uh, this guy is actually creating a new game with the Wing Commander assets called Wing Leader. What do you I think about that? I had heard about this. I had heard about this. Uh, I had heard about this. And it is an, it's enticing. It's an enticing possibility. We'll have to see how they do it. I'm oh, pre- you know what? I... <laughs> Yeah, the, the, this the, is the, the show that we're talking about is going to be released tomorrow. I just realized yeah, that's okay. that. So that's, that's right. why you can't find any of the stories. Yeah, I, I knew I knew what you were doing. You're, you're plugging, boat. You're plugging. Yeah. But you're By a the pro. Time, but guess what? By the time you hear this, you, the, the show will be out. That's so. Right. <laughs> but anyway, it's always a party. Me and Neil get together once a week and hash out the week's most popular stories as voted by the This Week in Retro subreddit. We talk about uh, a lot of retro computing stuff, a lot of classic arcade stuff. Whatever is hot, uh, that's what we're talking about. Those Redditors could go crazy sometimes, too. They never know what they're going to come up with. It's yeah. interesting the way those stories are determined. You never know. what You literally never know what they're going to come up with. Very good stuff, but I'm looking forward to that one big time. That's pretty much all we got there, uh, Boaster. All right. Well, let's head on over to our community section of the podcast. We have two high score challenges going on right now. We've got a brand new one. This one's called Helter Skelter. Aaron, have you played Helter Skelter on the Amiga? Helter Skelter. No. That's right. I'm I'm guessing that's a no. <laughs> so you can jump in and play some Helter Skelter. It's called uh, uh, a fun little platformer with a twist. Uh, over on the Specky High Score, we are playing Jetpack, Aaron, and I'm going to jump in with a Jetpack score either tonight or tomorrow. Uh, I love me some Jetpack, so yeah. that'll be fun. That's a fun and- game. If you are a member of our Discord community, like you can be if you support the show on Patreon or through uh, becoming a Twitch subscriber, uh, you can vote on an Amigathon donation prize. So uh, Neil from RMC has graciously um, decided to uh, donate a prize to the Amigathon uh, drawings. You know, when you donate, you automatically get entered to win. 
and uh, he we have a we have two choices: either a signed copy of his Retro Tea Breaks book, or the Hoffman the Cave Sessions double vinyl record. Uh, so the the man. votes are the votes are actually pretty close right now. We got five in favor of the Tea Breaks book and seven in, in favor of the record. So you can jump in and cast your vote. Uh, and uh, on next week's show, we will have the drawing um, or we'll have the the results of that that poll. And of course, Amigathon coming up, we'll have more news about that as it approaches. We're closing in on the one month till go time on Amigathon, Aaron. I will say, uh, Neil's Tea Break book is outstanding. Yes, uh, and. Uh, I've heard uh, selections from the Hoffman. It's also good, so you can't go wrong. You can't go and wrong. Neil, it's a win-win. Neil's got his, he's got his thumb in all sorts of crazy pies. He's got all kinds of sticks on the fire boat, and yeah. we appreciate that. It's awesome. We really appreciate uh, the donation there. Yeah. All right, and I'll tell you what else we appreciate, Aaron, and that is our awesome, awesome Twitch subscribers. Uh, you can subscribe to Twitch if you enjoy watching uh, the show live. We do the show live every Friday at five thirty or at five. I guess we're going mo- we're moving back to five because uh, things things have improved at the Dowdy household in you terms of the right. commute on Friday. So uh, you can uh, even if you uh, are a Amazon Prime subscriber, you get one free sub a month, and that helps support us financially. Or you can just subscribe regularly. I want to thank the following people. We got Macintosh Librarian, Mitsuyama, Pints and Amiga, Daw Crabs, MTG, Eeyore 4077, Scumboy, Blow Jellyfish, Frodo and L, Blue Train, O-Rom, Rob O'Hara, Great Algae, Explorer, Kronos Net, Negsol, Jigglebox, Christian Russell, Uber Scuba Diver, Amy Steph, Peeplo, Luminate 08, Gary Heather, Buck Owens, Retro Jerry, Paco Take, Smanediger 1. So thank you guys so much for supporting us through Twitch. Thank you. Now, Aaron, last week we had uh, we had a Patreon song, and I put up sort of a special challenge on the Discord. I put up a video of me just playing the bass guitar part, and, uh, and uh, I told everybody it was a Beatles song. I didn't make it too hard. And we actually got some people that were able to guess the song just from the bass part. We had uh, L. Curtis Boyle, Mitsuyama, and boss man Paul Harrington. All got it correct. They also probably managed to get to the whole song without retching because there were yeah. no vocals involved. So that was probably not the worst thing to do. Yeah. Uh, and uh, the um, and for the final version, the version with the vocal, uh, Ben's got it right. Blip Blop, Hermsky, TMX Online, Jigglebox, The Slow Norris, Chris Folds, and CBM Nuts. So congratulations to all of you for getting the Patreon song correct. You know, your your the difficulty of your songs range from so obvious it's unbelievable to the most inobvious college music B side ever not released. That's you how need, we do it. That's, that's how we how do it. it is. Yeah. So this week we're dialing it back, Aaron. We're di- we're going back to the old days. You might want to you you might want to queue up your clips for the next boat of car musical gauntlet for this one. Are, are you so you're so you're t- you're calling your shot here? Your shot this, of horribleness. <clears throat> This is going to be an acapella one, and uh, it goes a little something like this. Ram, okay, Ram, okay, David Terrace, Jude, Carlos, Matthew, Bobius, the Phantom, Magnus, Seth Yates, Alistair, Fiend, Christian, Russell, David Z, George, Rosansky, the Amiga Show, Daniel, Crafty, Super, Famicom, Crazy Loomis, Van Lumen, Scar, Heavy Systems, Inc., Bundy, Frag, Lord, Mark, Byland. Oh, love, hope. Homsky, Jonah, a.k.a. Simulant, Alien Breeder, David Velociraptor. Go 
Halpert Boy, Vandens and Luke Hudson, John Cook bombed the base, Frodo and El Sol and Sizer Tech made Jurgen, Mr. Cola, Daniel Williams, Bernard Lucas, Jerry Dennington, Zorg Lab Reflection, Simon Ledge, Cap and Crispy Kilobytes and Caffeine, Gary Heather Free Lunch, Kate Fox, David Pickford Cameron, Armstrong, Andy. Jones, Lobsterminator, Ten Minute Amiga, Retro Casper, Narquin, RMC, Tim Drew, Simon Rose, Joseph Harrison, Khaled, Rob O'Hara, Matthew Larimore, Andy Craig, Sean Zobark, Ben Roland Burke, Andrew Monks, Joe the Zombie Lee. Kellan, Alan Kebab, Chico Little Lemon Own, Jonathan Show, Matthew Perron, Rick and the Roche, Creepy Dead Boy, Figure City Z, The Slow Norris, Stefan Sorg, Gordon Mortensen, Alfred, Helen, Melinda, 75, Christopher. Hassel, Rabbi Abbott, Chris Foles, Lord Giroux, Graham, Bev Key, Adam Battersby, O'Brien's Retro and Vintage, Gary Huck, Paul Harrington, Duncan Styles, Tales from the Crib, Josh Nan, Adam Bradley, Jonas Rulo, THC, Eric Nelson, Kim, Tommy, Humbert's dad, Daniel Bingston, Brutal, Barracuda, Darren Coles, Jason Wards, Pixels at Dawn, and Kjolbjorn Barman. What is this? Those are my moves. That's that's when I do my moves. That I do my like dance the moves. Limp fish or something. What is that? <laughs> that's, that's you look well, like a, one of those old Scooby Doo zombies. <laughs> They're singing. Listen. <laughs> When I was at parties back in college and I saw the cute girl across the room, that's when yeah. I busted it out. That's Who are you I, kidding? You didn't go to college or parties. Well, that's, that's all, none, none of that is false. Um, so uh, we want to thank our illustrious Amigos Game Selection Committee for choosing the games this week that we played. Uh, and, of course, we want to thank the fine folks in the chat that have joined us live right now. Uh, let's see. Who do we have? We've got a pretty nice crowd out there tonight. We've got our uh, awesome moderators, Duncan Styles, <laughs> Pixels at Dawn. Thank you guys so much for being here and keeping the chat in order. We've also got Tenmark has joined us, Academy Impossible, Amiga Gamer 1200, Amiga Live, Atten, Band Raiden, Barkbit, Bitstorm, Blipblop, Brock 101, Buck Owens, Butterberg 3000, Carbon 14XYZ, Co. Brian, Commander Root, Dave's Donuts is here, and Dave Velociraptor, Dusty Hailstorm, Edvin Helland, Frodo and L, Henry Flush, Hermski, Jason Warns, Jost 80, L, Curtis Boyle, All Hail, Litwarski, Lobsterminator, Matt Dufort, Makia 3000, Mitsuyama, Nyakan, Oram, Olaf Hope, Omega Chip Blue, uh, Picard 2010, R Typer, Ricky DeRocher, RMC Retro, Rob O'Hara, Rogue Girl, Sad Girl, Super Tech Boy, Tom Toms, Treyguard 82, VNK, Vigoro Pros, and Explorer. Nice. Thank you guys so Good much crap. for hanging out with us this evening. We've had a lot of fun. Um, Pixels at Dawn, thank you for suggesting this game, Dino Blaster, to the Amigos Game Selection Committee. And Aaron, next week, our topic 
our title. It's edutainment oh, week, Aaron. Again? Edutainment week has rolled around oh, again. No. We're going to be playing The Castle of Dr. Brain. Oh, okay. You know, I will say, I, I, always, I always feel a little sick when edutainment <laughs> comes. But we, every edutainment thing we've done, we've liked. Every single one. So, by God, I'm going to get excited about that. What's it called again? Uh, the Castle of Dr. Brain. Ooh, Castle it of was, Dr. It Brain. It was suggested by our buddy, Da Crabs, MTG. All right. All right. I'm going to get excited about this one, but plus I need a little edutainment now and Yeah, again. who doesn't? Who doesn't? You know? All right, guys. Thanks, as always, for listening. We'll see you next week. Until then, adios. adios.